Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. We have a Patreon page now if you want to support the podcast coming out every week. Uh, the Patreon page is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Willosophy, W-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y, uh, patreon.com slash Willosophy. You can join for as little as a dollar a month to help uh, support this podcast and make sure that James Fosdark, who does all the original artwork for the episodes, get paid, and uh, podcast Mike, who helps me coordinate everything, and uh, Mike Hell our uh, US-based producer who weaves it all together so uh, to make sure that all those guys get paid for the podcast. Um, uh, we It helps for your contributions. We have the occasional ad, uh, which Charlie helps me out with, but um, uh, your Patreon support is really what keeps this podcast coming out on a weekly basis. So uh, thank you very much uh, for those who've joined up already. Uh, if you uh, would like to join up, that would be massively appreciated. And obviously, if you can't afford to join up, uh, then, uh, you know, those who are contributing to the Patreon, um, thank you from me, but also uh, thank you uh, that you can you can access this podcast for free uh, if, um, if, if that is all you can afford. I hope you are still enjoying it. Um, I would ask if you do enjoy the podcast and you can't afford to uh, contribute to the Patreon, spread the word, um, you know, send out a tweet, put it on your Instagram share it around on uh, your social medias, uh, wherever you live, or just recommend it to somebody. Maybe there's an episode uh, like the Wayne Schwass episode or the Craig Coombs episode, uh, Clementine Ford, something that you feel like specifically refers uh, to someone, would be interesting to someone, uh, pass it on, spread it around. We don't have a media organization or anything behind us to you know, run ads or promote the podcast. We're not part of a big network or anything like that. So um, the, most mostly people find out about the podcast uh, through word of mouth so spread it around rate it review it uh, support it thank you very much uh, Ronnie Chang Ronnie Chang's a superstar hey um, if you don't know Ronnie then what are you what are you doing Ronnie Chang is one of the most uh, brilliant emerging superstar comedians in the world he's on the Daily Show of course in the US he had his own show Ronnie Chang's International Student on the ABC uh, he was the only ever live version of this uh, podcast that we've done uh, I did with Ronnie and so um, I'm not sure this is a podcast that suits the life. Um, I, although Ronnie was brilliant in that episode, and please go back and listen to it. There's just something about the intimacies of these conversations that putting them in front of a crowd changes the dynamic of. And um, even though I loved everybody who came to that show, and and Ronnie was so brilliant on that show, I just, for whatever reason, feel like that's not the correct format for the show. Who knows? Maybe in the future we'll find a way to do it live because we certainly do get a lot of requests from people uh, for that. But at the moment, it's just not something that um, I'm looking to do. I like I like the podcast how it is. Um, there's been offers to film it. I, I, I don't want to film it. I think that changes the dynamic of the conversations as well. So at the moment, it just pretty much exists like this, a little conversation in your ears, and I hope you enjoy it. So I was really pleased to have Ronnie back to come, come to my house and, you know, uh, you know, do a, a proper intimate one, the other the other end of the spectrum. So um, Ronnie was back in Australia a few months ago now. It's probably three months ago now, just to put this conversation in context for time and space. But I uh, loved having Ronnie on the show. We'd happily check in with Ronnie every six months because uh, we always get to the end and have a bunch of other things that we were going to talk about that we never got to. So uh, uh, we will do that again, I'm sure. This will be an ongoing conversation with Ronnie as he uh, dominates the world more and more. He's a brilliant guy and I'm Always appreciative that he takes the time out of his schedule uh, to come and have a chat with me. So uh, enjoy this episode with Ronnie Shane.
Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast, Return Guest. Return Guest on Philosophy. It doesn't happen that often, a Return Guest on Philosophy, but uh, I promise it. I promise it all the time. And then I rarely get the opportunity to reconnect with somebody. But I was particularly looking forward to this because uh, today's guest is rarely in the country. So it's a good opportunity to grab this person while they're, you know, here. Um, Many of the other people who are here all the time I'm like, I can grab them all the time. So then I don't grab them. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, yeah. whereas there is some advantage of flying Yo, into a country and being There is some people special. like you more. People oh, like I you should more. ask who you are. Who are you? Oh, uh, this is Ryan Chang. Thanks okay, for having now, okay. me back on. Now we can jump back into it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks uh, for having me on. Again. There is something. I used to notice this about America, mm-hmm. which was like, I would be in LA maybe three months of the year and then like across America the other three months of yeah, the year. Or touring. maybe over in LA, maybe even two months. Yeah. So when I was in LA, people were always like, oh, was it hard to get gigs in LA? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. I actually used to have a pretty full schedule right. because I was only there for two months. Right. And everybody would let you on their shows and that, yeah. he's only here. Yeah. He's only here for this time. <laughs> yeah. We'll put him on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas if you live there, they'd yeah. be like, oh, we can get this yeah. guy anytime. Yeah. You get about a month's work when you live there. <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you get two months of work. There's something to that, man. There's something to when you're in town for a limited time, there's some impetus, people, there's some motivation. It's the same reason why it's, it's easier to get laid when you're about to leave the country. Oh, yeah. It's okay. the same energy. It's the same like, oh, he's leaving then. All right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter There's anymore. No str- <laughs> this is like a freebie. Yeah, he could suck and it's fine. It's, yeah, yeah, he's getting on a plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only problem is it's too good that they cancel their flight. <laughs> <laughs> then it becomes a problem. Then, then it's a real problem. bold commitment yeah. straight yeah. away. Um, I thought it'd be nice to get you back on also though because uh, we I've only ever done one of these live, which was one that you do with yeah. me live. And uh, I, I haven't... like I, I quite like doing that, but I'm not sure that this is the show that like necessarily uh, adds anything from having, I'm not sure it detracts to have Mm -hmm, a a live audience there, Mm -hmm. like particularly because you were a great guest because you didn't play to the audience, but there is an awareness of an audience being there. And I think it leads to a different conversation. And whereas this podcast, I like to have rambly, long, introspective conversations sometimes. I I love how much thought you put into just even that live audience for this podcast. Because in my head, I was like, man, this is making some money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like it looks like it's making money people look like they're having fun like all right it's not look like everyone won Maybe. <laughs> but, but you have this really really good like like no no it has to fit the occasion and we need the audience appropriate to the conversation i'm like and people seem happy to see you and they pay money and you made money and i was like all right well <laughs> that was the bottom line for me no, ronnie i might need to ask you for the career advice occasionally <laughs> because i think that was the one and only time this podcast has ever made money and i've uh, never done it again <laughs> <laughs> i'm happy to be the one that uh, pushed this on into the into the black. Um, um, I, I do think about this podcast a bit in re- regards to um, what presentation, works best. presentation, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 like yeah. suiting the tone. Like I love yeah. doing tofop or fofop of those shows live. Yeah. Love doing the stand up live, but this doesn't feel necessarily like it's a a live thing. So it's nice to have you back. And Thank I thought you. it would be a good opportunity to have like a to like it's been a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Since we did that. Yeah. So we could kind of have a conversation about the last couple of years. And, sure. And, you know, see what's been going on. So sure. you're in Australia doing stand-up at the moment. Yeah, a stand-up tour. Um, uh, my, You know, I try to come back every once every two years. And I love I love stand-up, much like you. You know, draw a lot of inspiration for that love of it from you, you guys, the people who still do it, even when you don't need to. Clearly, you've got, like, beautiful houses everywhere. And you're still, <laughs> still on the road, you know. And, I mean, physical ailments you're still doing it because it's love of the game 
It's pure love of the game, and I love it just as much. And um, I think uh, it's interesting. I love it, and also I I don't want to. I'm always reluctant to come back and to have something perfect. But you know, you never have something perfect. So my wife was like, "You got to book it in now because you just did the movie, and you know it's a it's an appropriate time." And you'll write the show, you know. She's always like, "You'll you'll figure it out." And at the time, I'm like, "You don't understand what this is, okay? You can't just figure this stuff out." And I'm like stressing out the whole, the, you know, for for months. Just it's on, it's weighing heavy on you, you know, which is what it's about, right? It's like I need to get this right, uh, get the show right, right, the material. So uh, I w- I've been working on it the last couple of months, and um, uh, I, I was touring Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, Sydney. And I'm going to Canberra next week, which uh, this podcast probably not gonna come out before then. But no, it's but okay. we'll give it a plug anyway. Yeah, <laughs> put it in time yeah. and place. It's okay. Um, yeah. So, so. Uh, here's what I'm interested in: Please. is like you talk about that idea of when somebody else, your wife in this case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, often your partner, often the person who's closest to you who yeah, sees yeah. it, yeah, offers you those words of encouragement, yeah, because you're in the depths of it, yeah, yeah, and you feel like. This is never going to get done. Yeah, I and ruined they, my career. Yeah. And they do the, they come with the, you'll get it done. You always get it done. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. And you just want to scream. <laughs> I will not. You don't understand. Yeah. And then, of course, you do. Yeah. And they were right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's something about that. There's something about having people you trust. To say that, right? Because if, if it was someone you didn't trust, you'd be like, "Shut, shut up! Like, what do you know about this?" Like, yeah. tell, you know, but it's someone you trust who um, knows you and has seen your process, and you know, and also gives the uh, required encouragement and understanding that you know, late night you're out trying to figure this out, you know, instead of like, add try, you know, they try not to add add additional pressure to you, which help help you try to relieve the pressure with stuff. So okay, so yeah. tell me where you start these days with yeah. like your ideas like what when you th- say i'm gonna go and do a stand-up yeah. show yeah yeah where do you actually start with that process now is it about i've already got a bit of material you know trotting around about this or are you starting yeah. to go there are these themes that are going through my mind at the moment that i yeah. really want to talk about you, you know ever- the themes never whenever i try to do th- smart themes it never works out for me it just ends up being like a boring like rambly <laughs> Like I wouldn't even tweet this. The kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like ba- barely the ultimate, the ultimate, <laughs> the insult. ultimate insult. Uh, yeah. I would not even waste a tweet. <laughs> I would not even throw um, this into uh, the uh, toilet that is. <laughs> But yeah, I wouldn't even. So, so <laughs> I respect my shit more than the toilet I'm about to drop it into. <laughs> exactly that cesspool yeah. of just the worst of humanity. I wouldn't even give them this thing. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I, I try. But I, I tell you what, what, working in America and uh, on on the Daily Show and also maturing myself a bit more, it's it's allowed me to kind of hit themes better than I used to when I was younger. Because I think I understand uh, a little bit more the bigger picture of like what you're trying to say. What are you trying to say with this joke? What's your ultimate, you know, what are you trying, what, what are you trying to let people walk away with other than just laughter? You know? Yeah, well, yeah, talk yeah. to me about that more. Why do you, no. do you think that that has, like, what, what form does that take itself in? Is right. that about doing a joke and then stepping back from yeah, the joke yeah, yeah. or is it? Yeah, unfortunately, I think in my case, I can't separate the race and politics from what I do, mm. you know, because just me being on stage, uh, I don't, I don't pat myself on the back, but I, I feel like me being on stage is a political statement already because in Australia, man, I, I was looking for uh, a- Asian openers. Like, uh, you know, there's my point is like, there's not a lot. There's only me and uh, Michael Hing and uh, 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 um, 
uh, Aaron Chen. Sorry, I love you, Aaron. Aaron Chen uh, and some other guys, you know, but but it's not a lot. So me just being on stage doing stand up in English in uh, you know on these platforms like uh, theater platforms, it's it's already a statement. So I kind of have to factor that in when I'm doing stand up in terms of like, well, what do I want people to walk away with? Because like you're not, you're kind of representing the race in some ways. And so you want to portray it in a way which, if I was watching, I want I when I was a kid, I would want someone who was Asian to say that. I was like, oh yeah, why didn't you say that? Or like, why don't you stand up for this? Or why don't you, you know? So yeah, this, that that kind of stuff probably goes into it more. So okay, that's cool. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah, and yeah. so is yeah. that because uh, it's interesting. So you talk about Australia. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, culturally, contextually, you know, like you said, a handful mm. of Asian comedians mm. or prominent P- personalities. You know, yeah. Personalities. Yeah. Who can, um, you know, so contextually here, yeah. that makes a point of difference. Yeah. Then you go to the US, yeah. right? Yeah. A bunch more, you know, Asian comedians. Sure. But also you're, like, you're not a, an American Asian. Yeah. Like, you're, oh, uh, what are you? <laughs> Dude. It, like, it, I mean, to them, what are you? Oh, man, that is the million dollar question that is... Um, and there is, and that's the thing, like we've only, only, we've only just started to introduce nuance into how we talk about Asian, uh, Americans or Asian people in the West. Cause previously it's just like Asians were just Asians mm-hmm. and even differentiating Asian American from Asian, Asian people was already mm-hmm. it, like, no one even did that. And then now we start to differentiate Asian Americans and Asian Asians. But the problem is that, you know, as well as I do that, that, you know the term asian american is or even asian australian it's like it was created to um not only simplify but create this powerful voting block to you but in that there's like all these different people who hate each other so you've got (laughs) you've got koreans japanese burmese thais uh, malay uh indonesians filipinos you got chinese filipinos Mm. chinese indonesians chinese malay people chinese koreans and then you've got asian you have you've, you've got the American version of all that, you know. You got uh, Japanese American, you got Chinese Malaysian American, you got Chinese Filipino American. So the permutations are endless, and all these groups hate each other. Well, okay, they <laughs> or, or, or at least these groups don't align usually. Their agendas are different, right? But yeah. you try to fold them under one umbrella, just jam them in there. And I think we're only now starting to tell kind of Asian stories in the West with some nuance, and so these issues are coming out. So that's good. But you know, so people are going like, well, why don't you represent? these Indonesians in the thing. And it's like, well, those are different people. Yeah. Like we, we, <laughs> we had one movie and we, you know, we couldn't, I'm sorry, we couldn't represent every single, <laughs> literally every permutation of, of, of uh, um, race and ethnicity and nationality in, in Asia. But um, uh, so w- I, I think uh, we're trying to get a, a broad, a, like uh, a kind of baseline level of Asian storytelling and then add nuance to that. We, you know, and that's what we do, right? What storytellers? That's what we try to do. And so, to answer your question, what do they see me as? Is um, they sometimes they see me as the enemy. Uh, sometimes I'm the problem, you know, because I have an accent, and so they're like, "Oh, you're making Asian people look bad because you talk like this." And sometimes I'm the hero. I'm like, "Oh, you're representing Asians." You know, it's it's the it's both, man. It's, and um, what's interesting is that like Asian Americans, they have this very much more political than Australian Asians. I think Australia, like people. Like, if you talk about politics too much, it's almost like you're causing trouble. I don't know if th- that's fair to say, but with Asian Australians, I feel like we, they don't really, they're not super politically active in terms of pushing Asian things because it's seen like you're like, why do you stir the pot? You know, life is here is good. 
if you shut up and work, the meritocracy works to some extent. I mean, obviously, you can never become prime minister. You can never become a, a, a judge or a partner at a law firm or investment banker. But you can have a really good life if you just shut up and, you know, don't cause trouble. So there's this, I, whereas in America, it's like, yeah, what, why can't I become president? Why can't I become a, a partner at this firm? It's, it's, un, it's unacceptable that we are born in, you know, that kind of yeah. energy. And, um, and so uh, in Asia America, the, the talking about race is, is uh, I think, much more intense than here in Australia. And there's this contradictory uh, agenda in Asia America, which is, are, you, are we here, uh, are Asian Americans supposed to promote Asian culture in America? Or are they supposed to, s- to promote the, the story of, we're not, stop calling us Asian, we're American. Don't even bring up Asia, we're American. You know, and those are contradictory philosophies in storytelling. Like, how are you going to balance both those things? You know, if you get it wrong, then you lose authenticity or you lose re- like like um, uh, relevance in uh, like actual storytelling. Because if if you go too Asian, people will be like, "Well, what the hell is this?" <laughs> you know, why can't you just be American? But then if you go too American, they're like, "Well, why don't you rep Asian people? If you don't rep it, who's going to rep it?" You know. So anyway, that's and you're like, well, and also I'm not American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, and I, I bring that up, and like, yeah, I'm not American. So, so you get that as well. So yeah. in a, a show like yours, like The Daily Show, for example, yes, um, which is a, a a show that exists to you know entertain, but obviously to yeah. you know, critique, 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 yeah. you know, the society and the sure. the news media and politics and these sort of things. Yeah. It's interesting to me that. You know, uh, you know, you've got Trevor, who's South African. Yeah. You've got you on the show. That you've got some diverse voices who have an outside experience of what it means to what the American story means. Yeah, yeah. What are the? Where do you find that those cultural uh-huh. differences uh-huh. meet with the people who sort of have been raised with the American context yeah. of what they are, and how does that work? Yeah, it's a great question. I think with four year, almost four years on the show now, I have better context of 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 uh, what that is, and I think. Uh, one very broad aspect of it is that Trevor's less angry than a lot of Americans. Because first of all, I mean, me and him were immigrants, so we're obviously there because we feel it's better than where we're from. Otherwise, right. we wouldn't go there. So we have a sense of optimism when we're there already. And so we're less like... I came here on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I had, choice, I had options. And I mean, I could, yeah. I could complain, yeah. and I will, but <laughs> yeah. I also chose to come here. Yeah, exactly. Of my own free will. Exactly. And, um, for a really good job, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. This has been the land of opportunity for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm hosting the Daily Show, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly it. And he told me what... I mean, from day one, I remember Trevor told me, like, man, we came from... Uh, no, not we. He came from dirt floors and no running water. He's like ratings don't make me nervous man these numbers can you can't show me these numbers and make me nervous like i you know i i i i've had a harder life than this so and he's very positive naturally as a human being so i think that's one of the things in america he he from day one he told me like outrage is is on its way out man like i know it doesn't seem like that but in terms of comedy content he was like yeah we can't do this outrage you know this we're we're gonna we're gonna um What's the word? Uh, what, what's the word they always use on the internet? Um, Trevor destroys. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Destroys this topic or this guy's like yeah. We're not. We can't do. We're not gonna keep doing that. It's unsustainable. And it's also not what we do. We're just gonna try to do comedy. So well, also we there's a there's an essential falseness at the heart of you know that <laughs> which is that every time there's one of those videos, and yeah. I know what you mean because it's yeah. that age of the 
over amplification of everything. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has to be cancelled and everybody <laughs> has to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, that's yeah. where we're at now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peak outrage. Peak. And comedians' jobs is not to be running with the mob, but to, you know, when the mob's... That, that used to be a thing that comedians did all the time and sure. now it's just become a thing that everybody does. You know, like uh, when somebody died or if like some celebrity, whatever, it used to be a bit of a, you know, who would be the first comedian to do a joke about it on right, stage? Right, right, right. But Twitter and Facebook and these things have taken all that away because yeah, yeah. the first people to make those jokes are the 3,000 to 30,000 people who <laughs> made that same joke within 24 hours on Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you're still playing that game, yeah. if you're still in that world, yeah. then you're not, you're just running with the mob. You could just yeah. be someone on Twitter. But secondly, every time you see one of those, like, you know, Trevor destroys Donald Trump, mm -hmm. I then turn on the TV the next day and Donald Trump's still president. <laughs> So yeah. I don't. I do not believe that Trevor did destroy Donald exactly. Trump. Exactly. Exactly. This idea that you know we fixed everything yeah. by this video and okay, it's done. It's Let's done. move on to the next on, issue. It turns out that Flint still doesn't have drinkable water, guys. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter, man. I've he destroyed like, it. He destroyed. I've watched eight videos about. No, it doesn't matter. He destroyed the people responsible. It's over. It's done. Let's move on. Don't talk about it anymore. Don't need to donate money. We fixed it. Um, do you guys have a philosophy when it comes to like you know? a show philosophy is there like a daily show sort of you know i mean something That's you can share question. if it's not something that it, 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 it and there may not be but you know um there is one but i forgot <laughs> 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 i forgot what it was it was it's it's something like um yeah you know we comment on the news and we um uh we it, it, it i mean trevor has definitely made it his own so his the show's philosophy is really trevor's outlook yeah and he's made his own and and i'll i'll in the office i'll often go back to watch old clips of the daily show and it's, it's very interesting to see the differences you know in the tone and especially you know john john stewart even his show was evolving over mm. the years you know and towards the end it was probably um I mean, I, I loved it, but watching it, I know, I know one of the things that John said, and this is public knowledge, that John was saying how, like, I have to, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I have to leave the show now because he told Trevor, like, I'm just, I'm too angry, I'm too tired, I gotta go, it's, you know, make it your own. And you watch the later seasons and you're like, oh yeah, he was, you know, it was very angry at Fox News and everything. And then you watch Trevor and Trevor is not the angry guy, you know. And I think people get angry at him for not being the angry guy, which is... Uh, ironic but that's, but also the, yeah. you should be like wait 20 years <laughs> if i if i am still yeah, destroying people and none of them have been destroyed yeah but i tell you what <laughs> that'll man, get me guy, down in a while this guy might be the most positive human like in f doing the news because mm. like we're talking about someone his mom got shot in the face and he's still you know like as uh, genuinely a positive upbeat dude and I mean, his mom's, I don't know if anyone knows the story. Spoiler alert, his mom, like, got shot and survived. And I don't know if he has any hatred in his, you know. So my point is, like, he might be the one person to get through uh, the American news cycle and not get, become a jaded, angry person, yeah. How about you? Yeah. Like, how do you monitor that? Because one mm. of the things that people who listen to this podcast regularly will know is yeah. that... Um, I, I promised myself that I would not become this person. Yeah. But I've 100% become this person. And I've said, but also I've become the person who says this every time I bring this up. What? I put this little proviso on at the start that I did, wasn't going to become... A Melbourne hipster. But I took, <laughs> I took Twitter and Facebook off my phone. Good. 
greatest thing that I've ever done yes. in my entire life. Yes. Like my attention is back. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm on a whole new thing. I was just telling you, I'm re-sorting my books in my office because yeah. I've got a new plan to read two books a week yeah. for the rest of the year. I'm yeah, going to yeah. take a year. I'm going to read a hundred books. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I'm sick of reading every day news reports and like updates and this sh- getting caught up in this like yeah. daily news yeah, cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm and, laughing because I've, I know exactly what, yeah. And not reading like bigger, not taking a step back from the yeah, yeah. 24 hour news cycle yeah, yeah. to actually just like, you know, really <laughs> take in the world. Yeah. And when you have those jobs where it's yeah. your job yeah. to like, I'm doing you know, daily radio. So it's my job to be across exactly. everything. Exactly. So I need to, Look at that shit. <laughs> yes. And it can be exhausting. So I imagine on a show like yours, yeah, where yeah. you're constantly having to look through this, like, yeah, yeah. does it become, um, does it change your mood? It, it, or perspective? Uh, I always uh, maintain a good comedic attitude towards things, especially it lately. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy for that. Like, basically, kind of remembering like i'm a comedian we're here to make fun of all this stuff and i have to be detached i'm like a surgeon in the er like if i care too much about any of this it's just gonna affect the job so i can watch it like i'm watching it's almost like i'm watching like a tv show like oh yeah i'm sad <laughs> like i can't you know what i mean like i don't get even even the any internet comments directed towards me or anything i've gotten a lot better way way better at like just seeing it as oh it's part of the the crazy show that i'm just watching and it's my job to like comment on this show um so i i've managed to take a step back mentally um uh, and it makes me a happier and better person because you have to deal with that stuff all day you don't want to become too involved for sure and then the other thing that um i i do is uh i do brazilian jiu-jitsu and that's been great um meditation and it's helped me like not uh i'm telling you man like it it's 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 helped me like work out aggression and and just have that one hour of meditation every day that just clears my head so hang on you're doing an hour of meditation no, no. Uh, oh, jiu-jitsu is the meditation. As meditation. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I was yeah. gonna say. I thought you yeah. were doing like an hour of jujitsu and an hour of meditation. No, 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 I was no, like, no. That's a real balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the jujitsu is the meditation. Right. I'm telling you, man. Every guy, yeah, women as well, but uh, guys, there's something in evolution that makes us just need to kill things. Is and, that right? And Brazilian jujitsu is the thing that, like, it's like the jerking off of killing people. So. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, if you need sex, you joke out. If you need to kill people, you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I don't actually kill people. <laughs> I don't so know if that if, I don't know if that's selling it or not. But something. No, I like it. So, um, tell me, uh, why Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Why, did, why was that the one that you... Because, I mean, there's all sorts of, like, oh, you yeah. know... Oh, and sorry, back on the point, before Jiu-Jitsu, yes. before, you know, my wife tells me to shut up about Jiu-Jitsu, I won't shut up about it. But, no, no, no. But back, back on the point of the social yeah. media thing yeah. is that I think that, I think that well, we've had... We've all, you know, the internet is very young. Social media is even younger. We've only, in 2019, yeah. <laughs> start to realize that hey, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. And, what, what, and society and ourselves were only starting to build the antibodies that are required to fight this social media. You know what I mean? Like, we're only starting to figure out... Like, but the, the antibodies are, like, they're gen- almost generational, right? Yeah, yeah. But the speed of technology... Like, yeah. I mean, the speed of technology increases at a rate that is well advanced of our capacity to deal with the ramifications yeah. of the speed of technology. Yeah, the antibodies don't evolve fast enough. No. But they're starting to come out. I yeah. can tell now. I can tell, like, what you just described, where you're like, I'll just delete this app from yeah. my phone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a version of the antibody. When, when people are like, yeah, I don't look at Twitter. I'm like, yeah, that means the an- you got the antibodies right. now. Or you, you look at news and you go like, this isn't real. Yeah. That's the antibody. 
antibodies coming in, you know. So I do agree with that. Yeah. I do agree that people are starting to go. It's like a new toy, the internet. Because yeah. I, I, I have a perspective on this because I was 20 or so when the internet really first started. And yeah, it yeah. wasn't until my mid-20s where, you know. It was full-fledged. It was yeah. like proper internet, what yeah. we kind of think now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, not, that, not an amateur, like. But know. on every level, yeah. like to me, like the capacity to look something up, you know, mm. our ease of accessing yes. information and what effect that has on our brains. Yeah, yeah. The fact that I can think of a song and I can just go over and yeah. like, have that song and play that song oh. as opposed to when I was a teenager where I would have to go to a record store or a CD yeah. store or like pornography or news, any of these things. Yeah. The newspaper would come out once a day, yeah. you'd read the newspaper, but you wouldn't feel the need to have to check in on the news every yeah. half yeah. an hour. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that we suddenly have, yeah. that we went from not having any of these things yeah. to suddenly having access to all of these things uh-huh. and we somehow thought, Oh, this will be fine. We yeah. don't have to put up any safeguards exactly. or protections to <laughs> exactly. how this will affect us at exactly. all. Exactly. And not just the sheer volume which you're describing, but it's not even benign. Some of mm. this stuff is designed to hack your brain. Right. To make you addicted to it. So it's not even benign or information overload. It's no. spe- specific information targeted to make you addicted to looking at your stuff. I yeah, like I, can't believe, I can't believe I came ad- <laughs> became addicted to this thing that some company has spent billions of dollars with all the world's greatest manipulators and technicians trying to get me addicted to. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's true, right? No, it's they're, true. They're addicted to the colors. Someone told me that just turning your phone to monochrome Mm. helps with phone addiction like just getting rid of the colors so the screen is permanently black and white well one of the first things i ever did was turn off notifications Notifications. and then what i noticed is how regularly the apps ask you if you want to turn your notifications back on yeah yeah for sure like i've made my choice to (laughs) stop bugging i didn't turn them off by accident (laughs) i know but don't you don't you You know what i'm taking you off my phone altogether so (laughs) you take that and then your next step will be they'll they'll keep asking if you want to reinstall it (laughs) but like uh i I mean i don't i don't know if you've noticed well i mean whether that the antibodies are coming back in society i mean do you feel that a little bit it's not great but it's a little bit now like you know no i do fight back i feel like people are starting to go this has destroyed (laughs) itself to the point where we need to go I'm not sure that this world we've created, it's like any movie there is about these things, right? It's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you think it'd be the best to be in a world that's made entirely of lollies and chocolate, but eventually, you know, you drink yeah. from a chocolate river and yeah, you drown yeah. and some of the lubbers dispose of your body. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's bad next thing you know. And Any and, movie where they're like, oh, I'd love to know what everyone's thinking. Yeah. Well, we came up with a way to know what everyone's thinking and it turns out like all those movies, <laughs> you don't want to know what everyone's thinking. Yeah, it's bad. And, you know, that's a classic American. I know, you know, I know America's not the only country, but I feel with, with um, that American access, you can really see it sometimes. If you live in America long enough, I'm sure you saw it. That access, when they find uh, access, like, when they find something that is good, like they'll just blow it up. So, for example, like cheese used to be like a dessert that you have like a cube of <coughs> after dinner. And it was like like a treat, right? It was like almost, um, uh, you know, quote unquote, best part of the meal, the most memorable. It's like, oh, we got some cheese here. Mm. And they went, you know what? Let's just take that thing mm. and just keep, just eat the whole meal. Just keep putting on stuff. You know what I mean? And they just blow it up into this thing. And, and you know, it's very, it, it's very American. So the, the, the dopamine hit you get from the notification or like or whatever, they're like, hey, that makes people feel good. Let's just give you endless all day. And then, you know, and, and I think it's, um, it, it, you know, to apply it back to comedy, I feel like when you there's something about people buying a ticket and showing up, and I I, belie- I always believe I've been trying to put this into a joke about how like 
um, for the comedy show to be good, it needs effort from both sides. I can't, you know, I can't just come into your house while you're in bed and go at your easiest convenience and like, like just tell jokes and, and then get the fuck out. Like for this to have the best outcome, we both need to put in effort. You, you need to actually come and show up and put in some effort and invest some time and money, you know, and be in the theater. And obviously I got to fucking make sure my shit's on point and then it'll be the best outcome. But if we try to do it where it's like, oh, let's just stream your live show into my home. Every comedian is going to suck. Like you're never going to have a good experience because it's not the ultimate. And I think people forget that um, they need to give a little to get some, you know, in, in, this, in society. That's not like an old person now. But to get something back that's good, you need to like give a little. You need to like give time or money or effort or something to get it back, right? I, I think so. I yeah. mean, I like live live shows a lot, and yeah. um, I remember we had a conversation about this actually about recordings of like because I've done a twenty, I don't know, a twenty somewhere less than twenty five, twenty thousand, maybe yeah. twenty five. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like a lot of like hours, you know, new yeah. hours, and. I've only recorded bits and pieces along the time. Mm -hmm. And mostly that was always just because I'd prefer people to come out and yeah. see it because I think that it works best yeah, when eyes. people see it. Yeah. Because I think that comedy is a two-way conversation. It's yeah. a conversation between you and an audience. And it's why from night to night, yeah. the show will be different because the audience is different. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. and when you're at your best, it's when you're most in tune with that, yeah. you know, that audience. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's when the show's at its best. When you film something, yeah. right, a special, and by the nature of filming it, most people, not all, yeah. like I've seen some brilliant specials, Maria Bamford doing hers to her parents in the living yeah, room yeah. and like yeah. Harlan Williams, like, you know, in out in the middle of the <laughs> desert with like yeah, cameras no, no. on choppers and stuff. It was so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. people have done different things, yeah. but traditionally yeah. you'll find a big juicy room, like, right. you know, you, yeah. you film it in like some grand venue yeah. in front of a, an adoring crowd of your biggest yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah. And they're all loving it. Yeah. And it is going that well in the room. Yeah. But then some, somebody else is going to watch it on a plane. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. somebody else is literally going to be on a plane to somewhere and, yeah. you know, they're going to flick it on there and they're not in that situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can't, you know, like, sorry, you, no, gonna, no. Oh no, yeah, but like that's true, and you can't like, and you feel you feel, and that's why after you have a killer set, you're still not happy because you're thinking about the guy in the plane who's watching it. And you're like, he wasn't here. He's not gonna get it. He's gonna think it sucks. Everyone's like, Will, that was awesome, man. We record, we got it on tape. It's gonna be beautiful. And you're like, I don't know. There's gonna be some asshole on the plane. Some asshole on the plane. Who's gonna flip through it after five minutes? I'm like, ah, fuck, this guy sucks. I sat next to. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you two quick stories because I please. think you'll enjoy these. No, One was we were interviewing Russell Crowe on the radio the other day yeah, yeah, yeah. and Russell Crowe out of the blue just mentioned that he'd watched my special on the uh, on yeah. the plane, which yeah. was hilarious. But um, secondly... Uh, <laughs> Did he like it? Oh, yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, oh, sorry, that's rude for me to say. I mean, I just meant in the context of what we're talking about. He but. said that he liked it very much. Yeah. He, he brought it up to say that he liked it yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, but then he did the, this thing which I should not take any pleasure out of oh, no. but it gave me a small amount of pleasure he goes because there was a whole bunch of stand-up specials yeah. and he said I watched all the others got five minutes in didn't watch anymore yeah. watch your whole one and I was yeah. like yeah of course. it makes me feel better that he rejected other comedians <laughs> <laughs> no, no but that, that's legit and I hear that he's a big comedy fan Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but the other one was I sat next to a guy on a plane who was watching my special 
So, and he did not know that I was sitting next to him. Like I had a cap on and like sunglasses, like beard, and he just hadn't clocked that it was me. Right, yeah. And he sat there and he watched the entire special, yes. which was good. Did not laugh once. Uh, <laughs> but he watched the whole thing. <laughs> no, but you don't, you know, comedy, you're not going to watch the whole thing if you don't think it's funny. No, I, yeah, that's what yeah, I, yeah. that's what I tried to convince myself. Yeah. <laughs> It's like he's just one of those guys who laughs on the inside. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. You watch it, and did you tell him at the end? No. No, you didn't say like... If he'd laughed, I would have. If he laughed, I would have been like, hey, it's me, look. But I I was a bit worried that he'd be like, that wasn't very funny. Yeah. (laughs) And I watched the whole thing. I, I I made sure I could form I had enough to form a judgment. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. Uh, you you talked about feedback and getting a little bit better at um, oh yeah, you know, yeah laughing yeah. off feedback yeah, or yeah, you know yeah. taking it as yeah. part of the cost of doing business. Yeah yeah. Talk and, to me about that. And I think everyone this is the thing uh, w- w- which everyone says that they don't care what people think. But if that was true, you wouldn't even say that you don't care because right. you wouldn't care. <laughs> You won't even say, I don't care what people say. It's like, I, like there's stuff that happens in the world that I genuinely don't care about. And I don't spend my time saying I don't care about those things. Because yeah. I genuinely don't care. So my point is like... <laughs> <laughs> like my, my point is like... It's a good point. If you don't care, you don't even care to say that you don't care. Yeah. You wouldn't, so, so my point is like acknowledge... <laughs> step one is acknowledging that this stuff affects you. And mm. that you, you do care. And, you know, and, and then step two is... <laughs> <laughs> Is killing yourself so that you, yeah, so you don't feel anything anymore. Um, step two is like to really genuinely like uh, understand why it's affecting you and then try to not, you know, be better at dealing with it. And um, I was getting okay with dealing with it. Part of it is I joked to my wife that like part of dealing with shit on the internet is just becoming big enough where you have so much volume of shit that you can't actually keep up with it anymore. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, I can't even, you know, when you have like, you know, 200 followers and like one person shitting on you, that's like, that's like one out of 200, but you got like, you know, 20,000 people, whatever. It's like, it's, it's a, a different scale. So, um, one is just a sheer volume of stuff happening and, you know, and, and yourself getting busier, you can easier to ignore it. Well, I but, mean, what I find amazing is yeah. the idea that, um, how much just not like, so I'll give you an example. Yeah. I, on my Facebook page, um, I quite often, uh, like we'll post you know artic- interesting articles or whatever yeah. you know so recently there's a lot of stuff about you know the environment yeah, and, yeah. you know AI taking over my yeah. <laughs> my usual themes <laughs> of things that I'm worried about yeah. and uh, <laughs> but I never I just post them because I don't use Facebook barely at all but I'll yeah. post the article and then just never think about it yeah, again yeah, yeah, yeah. and I ran into someone the other day who was like oh god there's always so many arguments on your Facebook page oh, yeah. every time like you post something about climate change everyone blah 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 yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. and I was like oh <laughs> Like I, I just one hundred percent didn't know it was happening. That's hilarious. And it was a real good example to me of yeah. if you just if it it happens without you, yeah, 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 and it doesn't matter to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. like all that arguing is happening. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to be involved <laughs> yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. I've walked away. I've gone to another room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've gone to another house. It's yeah, not even that's right. No, I I agree with that, and so that's my attitude towards it now. I actually don't look at the Facebook stuff anymore. Uh, I don't look at yeah. Um, and what's funny is my mom will actually. Some like earlier on, and even now to some extent, she would like if someone said something on on Facebook, she would she would like tell tell me she was like Ronnie, someone said this, you mm. got to fix it. Someone's unhappy, and I was like, no, mom, I don't have to fix yeah. anything. These people are crazy. And then she's like, 
no, no, you don't understand. This person, your fan is unhappy. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. It, you don't understand. This, this, that's not how this works. I'm no. not a restaurant. This yeah. is not a Yelp review. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Also, if you're a restaurant, that also is a terrible system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so uh, she, she would be like, you know, we get into a tiff about it. And she'd be like, okay, I'll never tell you again. And I'm like, yeah, don't tell me if anything yeah. happens. And then, you know, th- three weeks will go by four weeks. And then she'll say, like, Ronnie, she, then she'll screenshot it and send it to my email and be like, this person said this. And I'm like, mom, you got to stop sending me this stuff. I don't want to see it. I don't need to see it. I'm telling you, these people don't know what they're talking about. Please trust your own son more than these people. And she, you know, she, she wouldn't get it. And then lately, I think she's realized that like, like she's like, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about. Because <laughs> she, it took her that long to build the antibodies to it because they're not used to it. You know, and we, not only our gen, like in modern day, we are getting used to it, but because we're in the public spotlight, we have to have accelerated development of these antibodies. You talk to my mom, the baby boomers, and they're like, what is going on? They are so confused. The fake news and the freaking people arguing online and, and them getting angry over it. And, you know, Russian propaganda, like trying to hack people's like uh, emotional reaction to things. And they're just not equipped to deal with it. And, I, you know, I, I like I watch my mom deal with it sometimes. And I, I laugh because it's like watching someone just thrown into this battle that, she, you know, it's like you don't understand what's going on. Uh, it's like when there's, and I feel sorry for these people when they do this because yeah. like there'll be some reality TV. Because as comedians, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, from the, the minute you start, you're getting negative feedback. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, as soon as you get. And so there is a sort of building a natural herd immunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like comedians sit around with each other, tell stories of their worst gigs, the worst thing that anybody said yeah. about them. It becomes it, like you do eventually build some sort of natural immunity yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. But you see some reality TV star or some sports person oh, who yeah. suddenly becomes famous and then people are like there's some article about people being mean to them on the internet and you just want to say to them oh people are just mean on the internet yeah yeah don't worry everybody there's not one person like google malala (laughs) do you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and and, but here's the catch is that you it has to come from someone who knows what they're talking about because everyone will say that and that was my earlier points everyone just says ignore it ignore it but it's like you guys don't know Mm. like my wife you know for years she told me to ignore it and then one time like one after the movie came out one person said oh you know Ronnie's wife looks a little bit like Ronnie oh my god she was like crying for three days (laughs) just inconsolable and I was like, you are the big, and I was like, whole, like crying herself to sleep. I had to like console her every night. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. You don't look like me. It's all right. You know, they don't, they, they didn't want to talk about. They just, which is also hypocritical and extremely insulting <laughs> that the thing that broke you was someone suggesting <laughs> that you look a little bit like me. I'm like, like I'm sorry. The worst thing in the world, <laughs> yeah, is it? Yeah. <laughs> to look like the person that you have chosen to spend your life with. Yeah. You wouldn't think it was the worst. Like, <laughs> inconsolable. <laughs> How can anyone love me? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. And uh, it's funny her dealing it for, for, for it's like basically everyone can say that shit until it happens to them. And then they become the more sensitive, like right. defensive people because it's crazy. It's crazy. So I've gotten a lot better, like you said, natural immunity and um, uh, just realizing like, oh, it, um, you know, m- maturity as well. And also realizing like, okay, that doesn't affect what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I recently had some bits where um, I was doing this, this I, I did the live at the Comedy Cellar, which is a topical stand-up show. And yeah. we, I basically wrote 
Um, but they they put it on TV, right? So they put it on YouTube. A, yeah, on YouTube. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, TV, yeah, yeah. 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 But I, sorry, I think about it as YouTube clips. Yeah. The show basically exists as YouTube clips yeah. now. It's on TV, but you know. Yeah. Um, and I did I did a topical joke about how um, I think it was China um, boycotting Dolce and Gabbana. And so I just made a you know very I I thought it was very mild uh, joke about how uh, like uh, I think the joke was something about how like. Uh, is there an easier brand to boycott than Dolce and Gabbana? Right, okay, yeah. Like, it turns mm-hmm. out I've been boycotting yeah. Dolce and Gabbana. You know, like it's yeah. like a thousand dollar t shirt. Oh, yeah, I'm boycotting. It'd be <laughs> like, hard for me to boycott this daily staple yeah, of yeah. buying Dolce and Gabbana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really, uh, really cut into my daily routine here. Yeah. And then, um, uh, yeah, oh man, and, and just like people from China, like not happy about it. And so, I and, and the, the cool the thing for me was like, oh, I get it. Like, when you make satire or you're talking about you know political issues people get mad and that's it and you just move on from it you know like okay and then that you know and they'll curse you out but you're still doing other work you've you've moved on from that and so it's like it's not it, this isn't people feel like you're, if you're on the internet that's the beyond end of your existence that one clip and it's like oh this is one thing i said i literally wrote it that day for a topical show and, and now it's on to the next thing yeah, i think there is some great power in that as well yeah, like yeah, if yeah. once you can understand that yeah. there's power in like you know that that argument was happening while you'd already walked away from the computer you're yeah. like oh you guys still yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's the one that i often find funny yeah. is like if you log on 24 hours or 48 hours later yeah yeah and there's still people yeah. arguing yeah. about something yeah, and yeah. you're like oh <laughs> i've been i've been out yeah i've taken the dogs for a walk yeah i've, I've slept been, twice yeah. i've read a book yeah yeah I bet, yeah i and- watched chernobyl guys <laughs> like <laughs> and i've always hated that phrase uh if you're doing so- if you're doing something, people will hate you. That means you're doing something right. I always hated that because I always felt like it's very like I don't know. It just sounds like fake, philosophical, like yeah. Some I, I, I'm not sure that a hundred percent checks I, out, does I, it? Exactly. Like, but but I, what I you know, Adolf, it means you're just doing something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but there is something about satire and stand-up comedy that is subversive, and it is supposed to you know right. have edge. And it is supposed to get some people like it's supposed to be edgy, and that's what good stand up is, and that's what good comedy is, that's what good satire is. It's supposed to be cutting and like make you think and offend some sensibilities, you know. And did and you so, see any of Tom Gleason and the Logies? I did. I love that whole thing. I love that whole thing because I'm so behind the the you know him uh, 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 shitting on the Australian and, and television entertainment industry, which I'm extremely angry about because there's so much talent here in Australia. And there's some cultural block blocking us from making good stuff. It's a real shame. It's just decision makers. I don't know, you know, this layer of decision makers that are just making the worst decisions possible. So I've only um, ever been to the Logies twice in my life. Yeah. Um, I remember. <laughs> I remember one of those. Made a splash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> never went back. But I never wanted to go because... I've said this often that I individually like the people in that room. Many of them I think are delightful people. But you gather them all in a room, like in those suits to slap each other on the back about the shitty pieces of entertainment that they each make. And again, there are so many talented people in that room. But so often in this country, talented people are forced to make unwatchable fucking shit. And the things that we celebrate as the highest rating shows in the country, the Married at First Sight and all this sort of shit is absolute. Like, by the way, if people want to watch those things, nothing wrong with that. I, people I know, eat McDonald's. I'm, I know exactly I, what you're saying. But you don't give McDonald's a Michelin star. Yeah. You go, it's McDonald's. Yeah. You know, like, and exactly. You don't give it a fucking award at the end of the year yeah. for being the best McDonald's. And, you know? to, and to take the. <laughs> <laughs> 
and to take the analogy further, it's a real shame because we've got Michelin level produce and Michelin level yeah. chefs. But there's something yeah, and then we're grinding it up and making it into fucking yeah. quarter pounders. It, it, it's it's extremely frustrating, and and we've seen enough, and I think we're qualified to speak about it because we've seen enough. We've we've been through the cycles. You way more than me. Um, uh, in, on my in my case, at least I've seen the cycles here. I've seen it in America, so at least have something to compare with. And I'm like, man, the decision, the people who are making decisions is just awful. And also, we are c- comedians. Part of our job is to make fun of institutions, right? And so we'll make, and then you're in this thing, and suddenly you're in this institution of the, you know, logies. And I, I love that I try to acknowledge people, and it's hard to run an awards show. It's also it's also hard to acknowledge Australian talent. I think in Australia, a lot of the times we like we downplay it. So it's nice to have a moment to celebrate it. But you know, you got to call a spade a spade sometimes, and be like, everyone here is um, celebrating this thing, but who has actually helped with the support network and infrastructure to make good stuff? You know, it's great to slap ourselves on the back, but what are we doing to make cool stuff? You know, it, it, it's just, it's, I love how Australia is always like looking backwards with this entertainment and pointing to things that were great. Um, and no doubt they were great, you know, all these TV shows. But it's like, that's great. And we're celebrating the 30 year anniversary of this show. But then what are we doing to make the next one? You know, no one's ever talking about that. We're always just like, oh, that was the best. You know, that was the peak of it. We should go back to that. And literally, sometimes we bring it back. And it's like, oh, hey, hey, it's out there again in 2019. And it's like, well, what are we doing to make the next thing? You know, it's, it's just sad. And, um, and so I thought you would admire the way he went about it as yes. well, which was when somebody, like, don't hate the player, hate the game, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. you set up the rules. Yeah, yeah. He went out and went, okay, well, I'm going to ruthlessly exploit these rules. Yes. And then in that way of saying, he goes... Because I'm a comedian. Yeah. And I thought this would be a funny joke. Yeah. And the fact that people got pissed off about it was why it was great satire. Exactly. The fact that there were people in that room who hated him. Yeah, the yeah. fact that there's been think pieces about yeah. people going, that's why it's great. Yeah. Because it wasn't just a wink or a nod. Yeah. It yeah. was genuinely pissing people off. <laughs> <laughs> but for a good point as but well. But for, for a great make point. make a good point. Yeah. yeah. Not just, he wasn't doing a, a, a prank show. No. He wasn't throwing yogurt in people's faces no. on, on, on Swanson Street. <laughs> It was I like, making a point of, of like what this institution is and, and what are we doing to make good content and you know in Australia what are we doing to make good television? What do you that. think the major? Because you do have that perspective now. Because yeah. you've like you've had international student yes, yeah. your series yeah. that yeah was an ABC what was it, ABC and Comedy Central co-production. Yeah, yeah. essentially it was ABC um, and Comedy Central came in after I joined the right. Daily Show. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think what it is is there's there's again I'll preface this by like there's been a lot of uh, there's good people who are talented and who have worked hard on that scene. This isn't everybody, but generally speaking, I think in Australia there's a problem with too many fucking old people in decision-making <laughs> positions who need to retire or at least you know stop making as many decisions. And I think that the global financial crisis in 2010, uh, caused by baby boomers, wiped out middle management. And so you have this generation, you have old people and young people, and there should have been a generation, a transitionary generation of middle-aged people to translate between the two ideas. You know, people with the experience to execute, but also the, the uh, sensibilities which are young enough to make things work. And that got wiped out. And so you only have old people and young people and trying to communicate <laughs> with each other and they're speaking completely different languages. And so... Um, like, uh, I, I, if you want to get onto the specifics, I think that in Australia, we, we don't allow authenticity in storytelling a lot. I think we, uh, I think authenticity resonates and I think instead we have, 
uh, we don't trust the creators to make stuff. We, you know, we have the decision makers who pick people, uh, who, who give them opportunities, but then literally handcuff their hands behind their backs and you can't, you know, you, and you can't play that game. And I'm not saying diversity for sake of diversity. I, I rarely believe in that. Um, I, I'm saying diversity because it creates better stories, because it creates authentic stories, because that's the society that we experience today. It's a very diverse society. It's all these different ideas and, you know, there's cool stories to be told here. White people and black people and Asian people. It's not about racial quotas. I'm saying there's some cool stories out there and I don't think we're... Australia, I think, does a good job of ticking boxes when it comes to diversity. But diversity without authenticity is just like tokenism. It's just like, yeah, we've got... You can, and you can always point to, yeah, we got the black guy on TV. We got the Asian guy on TV. But when you're trying to tell the story, are you guys actually allowing them to tell stories? You know, and that's a different... I think that's the problem is that the lack of uh, authenticity in storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned the movie. So yeah. you did uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which yeah. like was a... Super, like, uh, superly success, superly. That's not a word. Super, <laughs> super successful movie. Yes, sir. Superbly successful movie. Yeah. Uh, neither of those were actually the word I was looking for, but let's go with that. Uh, anyway. yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, a a real sort of cultural moment. It felt uh-huh. like. Uh-huh. Talk to me about uh, what that experience was like. Yeah. Uh, well, you don't edit these, right? No, not really. Okay, well, I want to know what you I think can, about it. I mean, it. I can edit it Be- because if you want, No, but. no, I don't mind. I, I, no, I wanted to know what you think about it because you've been in this game so, lo- so, so much longer and you have a different perspective on it. And, you know, uh, what do you think about the, the storytelling in Australia? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I mean, one of the things that I've always had a... <clears throat> um, I've been very lucky. And yeah. I've, I've been lucky to be surrounded by people who've kind of, you know... Um, let me sort of do what it is that I wanted to do. But I've had to fight hard for that often because I, you know, have often, and look, I'm a white straight man, you know what I mean? Like the, the sort of, you know, generic starting position of Australian entertainment is Mm. what I am. And even I know how hard that I've had to fight (laughs) for uh, the capacity to host shows or tell stories or do what it is that I want to do in the way that I think would be best to do it. And that itself is generational because in the same way as I wouldn't like when Tom Ballard was doing tonightly, yeah, yeah. like we would talk about the show every now and yeah, again, yeah. but I would never in a million years think about telling him how he should be, sure, sure. how he should be doing it. Sure, sure. I mean, I think the one bit of advice I ever gave him was I was like, even for me, I think you swear too much. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and and he did, didn't take that on board and just kept swearing. And I'm like, oh. well, good, good. Oh, right, okay. You know what I mean? Like do, do you okay. like, I mean, I am a huge believer in, giving some i'll give you a better example so uh, when i was uh, doing radio back in the day yeah um we had tom gleason and um uh, who else was on it anyway tom was doing a regular segment and he was doing it with oh subby valentine tom and subby used to do things together and they i don't know if you know subby but he's a really funny uh, yeah yeah, new south wales comedian yeah yeah. tom and subby used to work together yeah yeah and uh so they were doing a regular segment on our show yeah and I started to notice that, like Adam Spencer, and he wouldn't mind me saying this, I'm sure, yeah. started to try to give them guidance or yeah, direction for how the piece should be. I and it wasn't really working for them because it wasn't where they were wanting the piece to be. Yeah. Now, it wasn't that Adam's idea was wrong yeah. or bad. Yeah. In fact, it was probably a really good idea that we we should have done or yeah. that something that we could have done because it was a good Adam idea. But it wasn't um, yeah, right for them. Yeah. And I do think that, A, when you offer 
advice as a senior person. Yeah. I always think it should be offer. And if it's rejected, sure. great, walk away. Sure. You know, there's not enough people doing that. There's not enough people right. in the system who, because like, like you said, you want that level there of people who've got experience, who've got like, in my experience, this might work. Or in my experience, this is a way to do that, yeah. right? You need that. Yeah. But you also need those people to have the capacity to offer that advice. Yeah. And then if the person making the thing goes, no, that's not going to work for what we're making, yeah. to go, cool, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. offer the suggestion yeah. and I walked away. Yeah. And secondly, you've just got to hire good people and then kind of just encourage them to do what they do. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. you don't know what it is that they do yet. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's the main problem. I often watch these shows that are filled with talented people, all of whom, if given the same money that these shitty shows were given, would be able to make a really brilliant show. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that's the problem. So I feel like we just said the same thing. Pretty much. So we agree on the same thing. Okay. I just didn't know whether I'm being the petulant, you know, generation where every generation hated the old people or whatever. Well, but I I also (laughs) think that that's important. Sure. Every generation in some way should hate. You should have like a great mixture of respect for the generation before you and kind of hatred or mockery or like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like if the next generation coming through isn't looking at what the previous generation did and go, I want to do that better or I don't want to do that. Like the idea that that in comedy, we have a really good example of this, which is ideas become hack. Yeah, They don't start as hack ideas, although I guess they can be. But like the first guy who did a routine about aeroplane food tasting bad would have been a genius. (laughs) Because everybody was like, he's saying what we've all observed. This guy gets it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? The first person who pointed out that like men and women were like cats and dogs. People would be like, oh my God, never thought of it like that before. This guy is fucking great. Bar Beach House in Sydney. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, they should make the whole plane out of the black box. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. What a great observation. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good joke the first time. It becomes hack because it becomes yeah. an idea that is an idea that everybody has had, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the entertainment industry doesn't seem to like we have that built into us a little bit, yeah. which is like you know. This is done. Let's move on. This is done. Let's move on. Whereas I often find in the entertainment industry, they don't have that same thing. It's like, that was done. Let's do that. Yeah. 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 See that routines about that. People seem to like routines about airplane food being bad. Let's make an entire show about bad (laughs) airplane food. The Australian television industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so you know, and we say this. It's easier. It's easier to hate on things, and you know. But we say this because it's coming from love and frustration. It's like we want because yeah. I've seen good people, brilliant people here who are capable of making awesome things, and they often do. They often either end up making it despite <laughs> the system or making it outside the system. And it's like, well, you know, what? I mean, there are even things that aren't embraced here that. Mm end up being like i mean a good example would be josh thomas's show right Mm -hmm. so josh thomas's show which ended up you know brilliant being a brilliant piece of television and uh, please like me i'm talking about and for those who haven't seen it and Mm. if you're in australia there's a big likelihood that you haven't seen it because no one watched it when it was on tv here in australia really like in you know in what we call television ratings numbers but it got sold overseas and it got recognized overseas and yeah, then it kind of got a second wind where people understood, you know, the quality of the thing that it was. But um, it certainly wasn't supported, you know, in a decent way the first time around. Sure. It was never a hit show. It had to grow into, and it, it was kind of like it was lucky that it didn't get cancelled after the first season, and sure. we never would have seen how great that show became. became. You yeah. know, 
exactly. Yeah. And I think there's there could be a hundred examples of that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great example of it because it's a young voice, <laughs> very clear vision for who we want to be. He really executed on it. You know, I agree. Right. I mean, that, yeah, like we, yeah, everyone was happy with him being a, a team captain on talking about my generation, yeah. but. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a good safe space for you. You're on a yeah entertainment variety show. It's a panel show. Yeah, it's comedians playing some sort of game. Yeah, we love you on this. Yeah, very happy to have you here. You're a superstar. Oh, what's that? You want to make this singular vision, join a drama comedy with no. this beautiful heart? The warden, fuck that, fuck mate. That fuck shit. that shit. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We don't stay on the fucking panel. Stay behind the desk. Yeah, yeah that's and it's, it's just frustrating. Yeah, and especially when he proved himself with right. the show. You know, um, but I use yeah. that as an example because I think that's an example of why wouldn't that be the same story? Like if you gave. Aaron Chen, that sort sure, of money, yeah. or why wouldn't that be if you gave it to Becky Lucas, or yeah. if, you, if you went to the Grub podcast and you got like you know Greg Larson and Ann Greg Edmonds and, and you know yeah. and Ben and uh, you got them all to do a sketch Damian show, Power. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of fun people who are making really cool fun things. You know, it's just, well, I mean, Damien Power is a good example, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like you'll see Damien Power roll into the panel and do a good uh, into the uh, the project and do a good job or whatever, yeah, yeah. but you're like. Seeing Damien Power on on the project is yeah. is is like you know seeing Kanye do an acoustic set. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. I'm sure it's interesting, yeah. but it's not him doing what he does. Yeah, yeah. Like where is where's the Damien Power show? Right. Like what? How can Damien Power? Like yeah. I mean, fuck, he's a white straight man. How can he? No. <laughs> Dude, I gotta tell you, I just saw him. I just saw him last week in LA. I literally saw him last week. We hung out, and he's pitching his show to to the US, and he's getting good responses there. Yeah. I mean, beyond the normal cursory, like we like you, we like you, the you know, we, like it's actually pro progressing. So it's like, yeah, people have to go outside the system to do it, and there's more money out there, quite frankly, and more and better kind of um, creative freedom. It's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I don't put America on this kind of pedestal, no. but I think they definitely have. Uh, if nothing else, America skews very young, sometimes to its own detriment. Like, you know, sometimes there's uh, experienced people who have legitimately awesome point of views or talent and they can't get an opportunity because they're just like too old. But the upside to that is that everything there's always very cutting edge and they're always looking to tell stories to young people, you know. And in Australia, I think we, you know, we're looking in the past like a little bit too much, you know, in terms of. Uh, storytelling. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they say young people don't watch television anymore. Mm. So what ends what up is it, happening yeah. is that we pitch things that people who still watch television. Yeah, see. <laughs> and that's uh, and that's weird because it also here that it's a, it's a uh, I mean, commercial TV is commercial TV, but then the ABC is, is government funded. We, they shouldn't even care about the ratings. They should just be making culturally significant things. And why we care about who's watching it. Just make something that people with taste think is good right and then i mean that's that is the argument yeah and that'll certainly be the argument that i use when gruen's right <laughs> start to drop i'll be like this is still a very culturally, culturally significant, significant yeah. show yeah, you don't yeah. understand yeah. <laughs> i don't know um all right we should uh, finish up Please. soon because uh, i know that you have a uh no no oh, this right? is um yeah <clears throat> well i'm gonna just uh Time flies. stop coughing for a second yeah. <laughs> Are you going to edit this or are we just going <laughs> to... Uh, if you keep talking, we won't edit it. Basically, that's, that, that'll be the secret. If you talk... talk <laughs> if I keep going? <laughs> okay, so this is just uh, Ronnie. I'm hanging out in uh, Will's 
apartment right now uh his house very beautiful house i'm not sure if he's ever posted photos of this place but it's got very uh beautiful mid-modern century furniture uh, a ton of cool artwork very, uh, his own um, um post comedy posters which uh you know uh, a little bit um uh, self-serving but that's fine it's his house um there's did you ever compl- did you complain about something no 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 i was just describing your apartment to people who all i heard was uh but that's fine it's his house which <laughs> i <laughs> feel feel like i had some sort of criticism <laughs> to that. no i just said you have a lot of your own artwork on it <laughs> your own uh your own comedy shows yes that's yeah. true so yeah. i'm gonna have more too so basically the plan is that in up here yeah. so over there yeah. those detective comics yeah. you can see the, the daredevil and the avengers cool, and yeah. uh, the batman so yeah. They're all editions. Justin Hamilton uh, got me those, and they're all from the year that I, from the month and year that I was born. Oh wow! So yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. I did that, but with Reader's Digest. Oh really? Yeah, but I didn't frame it. I just got the Reader's Digest. Did from, you yeah. grow up on a Reader's Digest? Kind of, yeah, kind of. And my dad actually, he told me he grew up with it. He learned English from it. He would read Reader's Digest, learn English. So I went to his uh, house, his childhood home, which is still in the family. His his mom was living there, by the way. And I saw all these old Reader's Digest from the like 50s. And I was like, oh, what's all this stuff? He's like, oh yeah, I read all this to learn English. I'm like, oh, I remember God. definitely like being obsessed. My nana used to get the Reader's Digest and I used to be obsessed with the jokes. The jokes. The jokes. Yeah. How, how killer is Reader's Digest? Right. Yeah. And they're still going. I haven't seen it in... Is I, that right? Yeah. If you go to supermarkets, they're right next to Us Weekly and all that stuff. You can still buy a Reader's you Digest. You can still buy a Reader's Digest. And I haven't opened one in 15 years, probably. Well, yeah. No, yeah. it'd be like well over that for me. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So James Fosdyke does all the art for this podcast, but for my shows and stuff. And uh, I, <clears throat> I've always hesitated have, having too much... Like you said, of your own posters and your own art <laughs> no, and stuff cool. on the I'm show. I'm just joking. It's but cool. no, no, no. But I, I recently made the decision to go the other way. I was like, you know what? Celebrate. I'm going to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. He's done so much cool stuff. So I've got a pile of posters and stuff here yeah. that I'm going to get framed. And I'm actually going to make like this whole office space. So I'm going to try to cover like the walls and stuff. Like like one of those old school yeah, comedy clubs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. with all the kind of like posters and yeah, stuff yeah, just yeah. all over the world. Because yeah. this is where I work. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of like it. I think it's nice. He's it's, made all this cool stuff. And yeah. You know, it is beautiful. And you've done some real uh, landmark stuff. And so uh, I feel the same way sometimes. There's like posters where I'm like, oh, why would I put this in my home? And I'm like, well, you know what? This is the show that kind of helped me become a professional and do this full time. Like, why wouldn't I celebrate that in my own home? Like, why am I complaining to myself about my own stuff in my own home? Um, but yeah, we were looking at some posters from like Meltdown and Hot Tub and yeah, yeah. some US shows that have yeah. their own posters that yeah. I have here. Do you have a box and, <clears throat> of memorabilia? I only kept, no, I only kept like the first few shows that I did, like, you know, that I thought were, you know, fun, cool shows. I just kept those. Like, it's not, I don't have a heap of my own stuff. In fact, James's stuff is the only ones that I really, that I really so have. you never go through and see the old Melbourne Comedy Festival, like, catalogs? and No. You don't keep that? No, oh. I don't. Yeah. No, I, in fact, I've never really been a collector of any of my stuff. Right. It's only recently that I've just, like, literally, I've started to go, oh, maybe it'd be nice. Right. But mostly just because James has all this cool stuff. Right. So pretty much, it's like, just before you're James, a James fan. Yeah. <laughs> before James, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But post-James, yeah. I'm quite well That's cool stuff, yeah. man. Sometimes I go around, like, country Australia, like, um, I 
I used, I did a the roadshow tour and I'm mm-hmm. going around and there's like people signing on the walls. You know, Maria Franklin, uh, Keith Robinson, right. you obviously, and I I always take photos of it. So I have in my um, photo album I have all these photos of like signatures and sometimes I'll, when I meet off now I'll show them like, hey you remember you did this gig you signed this wall they're like oh my god I can't believe it yeah. so Keith Robinson uh, yeah. a very famous New York comedian yeah. for, for, there might be some people that don't know Keith's yeah. name he's one of those legendary yeah. sort of comedians comedians yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, he, did the, Peter he did the first ever Melbourne International Comedy Festival Roadshow yeah I didn't know and so uh, Ross Noble was the headliner for half of it because back in those days they didn't split it off into sort of little posses it was one one big, group. one big thing and some of the comedians did all of it yeah and then some kind of like you know patched in for weeks so it was i think it was like six or seven weeks so it was yeah. long it was right? long and so keith robinson was the headliner for the first half and ross noble was the headliner yeah. for the second half yeah. and so very cool you know lineup of people and one of the first ever gigs so this was very young in my comedy career it was one yeah. of the you know first really cool things that i got to do yeah. would have been 1990 Seven ninety eight yeah. something like that. Anyway, yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, one of the first gigs, if not the first gig on the tour, was Sale, where I'm from. Well, where I went to school in yeah, Sale. Yeah. And so I was like, I think I was like first on. I wasn't hosting, but I was like first on. And so I came out and you know did a bit about like you know I'm from here, right? Yeah. yeah. And then whoever was on decks, whether it was Hallier or whoever else, like came out and they they started with a bit of like, oh, I'm also from here because it's gone so well. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then anyway Keith Robinson who could not be a more like so imagine that you know just at his prime to cocky American Philadelphia like, Philadelphia yeah. black man yeah, right yeah and that's important to the story because he struts out on stage like that in sale and just opens with good to be home <laughs> And anyway, that became our running joke for the entire thing, yeah, yeah. where one of us would pretend that we were from the place that we were performing yeah. in that night, and then so Keith could basically do his good to be home oh, open yeah, yeah. at the end That's of every show. So you actually toured with him on that yeah. show? Yeah, so for three weeks, first, it, first three weeks toured with Keith. Oregon. Cool, yeah, you might, I mean, make you happy to know that first time I met him, I told him I was from Australia, he said, oh, Peter Heller's my guy. He's like still good friends with it. Yeah, they keep it. they they kept him really good touch. I yeah, think. yeah. So I mean, that's super cool. But my point to all this is that there's really cool history in the performing, performing live comedy. And um, I I I, I never because I try to be a minimalist with, with my stuff. But mm. um, when if I if something do pa- if something does pass through me, I, I won't go look for it. But if let's say a catalog comes in my possession or like a tour pass, I'll just keep it and put it in a tub. And um, I mean, to be fair, I don't even have. It's like half of a IKEA plastic tub. That's my whole, you know, in nine years of ten years of comedy memorabilia. But sometimes you look through it, you're like, oh my god, I got the, I have the uh, run list um, of from like my second gig, or like you know, I've got this um, um, whatever um, something that um, uh, has my name on it, uh, flyer from this gig in uh, Wodonga, w- uh, Albury, Wodonga. Yeah, it's, it's like cool look through it sometimes. You know, oh, yeah. no, I sometimes somebody will send me something, you know, like somebody will stumble upon some yeah, yeah. old That's article me. or some old thing. That's me, that? I'll see, I'll take a photo, I'll usually send it yeah. to the people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- th- then there is that. Um, wh- what is What is your favourite, do you have a favourite comedy moment that comes to mind? Like something that, you know, mm-hmm. that comedy, particularly... I guess live comedy more than you know, say the movie or the TV show. Is there like a favorite, 
you know moment that you've had comedically uh i've i've been lucky and i've had i've had a lot of cool um opportunities you know a lot of fun stuff but whenever i'm in the moment i always try to be like oh this doesn't mean anything and just to you know like um uh keep my expectations low uh but i think one thing that stands out was actually i was at the cellar performing for maybe the third time or fourth time and i remember having a moment of 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 pure just like like so in the present that it was it was borderline enlightening of like oh i'm just here in the show doing the show i really love doing this i could probably do this for the rest of my life i'll be i'll be happy up to that point there's always like one foot out the door like when's this gonna end when's this gonna end and uh i guess in that performing in that moment there was this thing of like oh yeah I, even if it ends it's fine i just i still love doing this you know i I'll I'll take it like if if it ends just manage to get up to this point and I'm I'm fine you know yeah, yeah. you'll go from when, when's it gonna end at the start and then you get to a point about you know when you're 25 years old yeah. and you go when is it gonna end <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that yeah I remember yeah the the seller and and not because you know the seller is what uh, you know we put on a pedestal uh, as as we should it's a great gig uh, but it was more just that it, it's something about performing live in that moment I was like oh yeah this is fun you know like. Um, not even the, not even the. There's no TV cameras, and it's just one of those nights that will pass in people's memories. Yeah, but that's better. a. You know what? I I understand that because yeah. that's like, it, you know, the cellar is a proper like comedy gig that you know played by yeah. good people. It's a, yeah. you know, you it feels like if I can do it here, yeah. I, I could probably do it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. There's no magic in there. Yeah, you know, um, and people want to be there. <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> which is not always the case at comedy shows, and uh, uh, yeah, so I, that was probably the moment that stands out of, out of everything. You know, um, I was really lucky. I did, I did um, uh, Fallon about a, a few weeks, uh, a month or two ago. You know, and that was that was really fun. That was also so, a little surreal. So, did yeah. you do stand up or desk or both? So I did, I did the, uh, I was a guest on Colbert. Yeah, and that was super fun, and it was a real honor to do it, and um, uh. It was exciting, but then I did f stand up on Fallon, and like I don't know for some reason, stand up is like seen as like lesser than being a guest yeah. on that thing. So it's almost like you know I, I I'm not saying I felt this way. I mean like traditionally it's like a step down. They're like don't do don't do stand up have to be a guest because yeah. you're never gonna get back to being a guest or something. And I was just like you know what? I just love doing stand up. I've never yeah. done stand up on a late night show. Let me go do this thing. Well, so that's what I, one of the things, like, I have mixed feelings about Jerry Seinfeld. We don't have time to get into them. But oh, okay. one of the things that I do love about Jerry Seinfeld yeah, yeah. is that he kind of, like, when he does those Tonight Shows, he'll go out and he'll do his stand-up yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, no, 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 I'm a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He you loves the game. I want yeah. to come and do stand-up. Yeah, he loves So I'll game. do my stand-up, yeah, yeah. and then I'll come over and talk to you. Yeah. But I'm going to do my stand-up first. Yeah, and if you... I I don't know. I don't. I don't know him. I don't want to pretend to know him that well. But like, I feel like if you asked him to choose, he'd probably be like, "I'll just do stand up." Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I did it, and it was like one of those like show busy moments where it's like, "Oh yeah, it's cool." You know, dress up, you come out, try not to be too stiff. You've done something you've done a fucking million times, but for some reason in that moment you're like losing your mind because the adrenaline is going. You know, and it, yeah. Where are you? So when you do Fallon, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where where. Where is the stand-up spot? Is it a good spot in relation to the yeah. audience? Yeah, it's It's good. It's good. It's a good spot. It's it's far away. But it, yeah. There is a distance between you and the crowd, but because they they're so amped up, 
that it doesn't matter and they just they just want you to give them something to laugh at and they'll you know if you give them something they'll they'll go for it and also one thing i realized on the day was um i had some friends i i watched other people's clips just yep. to get an idea of it and i noticed one of my good friends nathan mcintosh super funny comedian he didn't use a microphone and i asked him like well what was that about did you you know because you know we without a microphone it we it's literally when we do our reps we train with the microphone it'll be like running without shoes or something uh at a at a hundred meter race and so he just said oh yeah i just realized like if i use the microphone it blocks my face and i become very closed so i just didn't use the microphone and i said oh maybe i should do that so then on the day i go like oh hey by the way i, I think i just won't use the microphone and the producer was a little freaked out he was a bit like have you done it without microphone before i'm like no i haven't but I think it'll be okay. And he's like, are you sure? And he was like, and to be honest, I wasn't completely sure, yeah. but I also felt like, yeah, I think I can do it on microphone. Like I can freaking walk and talk. I'm an adult, you know, like I've been doing this a while now. I'm, I'm still getting, I'm still learning how to do it, but I think I can do it on microphone. And so I did it on microphone. Oh, best decision. Just that small thing. It became like, instead of like, here comes the clown. It's like, everybody shut up. This is an important announcement to make, and then you just go for it. You know, like it becomes like a different thing, and you open up a bit more. You're not like this. I so. well, because so, because I use my microphone only in a stand now. Like yeah. I don't, so I never take the microphone out of the stand yeah. anymore. And uh, I like the stand. Like in live gigs, yeah, I like the stand as well. Like I like to be able to touch the stand and move it. Like to, to use it as like part of Does the that. energy of the show, yeah. right? But I think in a, one of those spots, yeah, absolutely. Why would I? I I hate <laughs> I hate when I'm at a corporate gig or whatever, and like they're like, oh no, we don't have a stand. You have to hold the microphone. I'm like, yeah. oh, I am unused to this. <laughs> I use both of my hands now, yeah, yeah. or one of them has a drink or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's part of your timing. It's part of your timing. It's like Chappelle and cigarettes. Right. He can't. He has the the cigarette is part of the timing of the thing. Like when he didn't have one, he was still touching his mouth because he's. You know, in his special. Well, thing. that was like in Australia, you know, they just paid the fines everywhere. Yeah, I know. They, they just, they were just like, uh, they, they were like, oh, you can't smoke at, you know, the That's Opera House fine. or whatever. It's like $38,000 fine. And he's oh. like, oh. Right. <laughs> or, or it's what we call a $30,000 cost of doing business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the business class so, tickets yeah. and the smoking fine. Yeah. And the, yeah. I want to smoke my cigarettes. Yeah, this is yeah. part of the show. Yeah. And yeah. It, 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 I mean, he, you know, he makes it work. So your mic stand is part of the timing. And uh, yeah, it was interesting doing it that way. And, and uh, So what is the day like when you're doing this? Because you've done yeah. stand-up on TV before. But yeah. talk me through... How, how does that uh, have you like put together a set in advance that uh, they've been watching and they've been seeing you run? Yeah, yeah. so I gotta tell you, it actually became pretty routine. And um, um, if 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 I can be real about it, I I was I wanted to do the the late night set because it felt like a a milestone. It's also fun to do, and you know we do stand up. That's one of the things that right. Yeah, it's like a it's a cool milestone. So I've been trying to get on it, and I couldn't. I like for whatever reason I could never get on it, and um, I kind of gave up a little bit on doing it because I and then I did the live at the cellar thing. I told you that about that chi the joke about Dawson Gabbana, and it got so many hits, and it was. It came straight from my brain. It was so raw, unfiltered, and it hit. And I was like, ah, oh, you know what? 2019, we don't, this is it now. You know, this is what it is now. It's not the Tonight Show spots, it's this stuff. And so I just mentally kind of went like, ah, oh, okay. And you know, the way the universe works is the moment you don't care about something, then it starts coming in. It's like, yo, 
when you're gonna do it when you can submit the set the booker came to watch my one hour show at new york he very kindly watched the whole thing i didn't even know he was there he's like yo you gotta come on the show you know send me a set and I, in my head i was like well i'll send a set they're gonna you know change all this stuff um and i i by sent it anyway and they didn't change anything. And I was surprised because I, I submitted quite a political set that, you know, was talking about white people, black people, and Asian people. And um, they they didn't change a single word. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, let's do it. I guess it's happening. So so uh, th- this is maybe, you know, like two months out. And so next two months, I working the set. But I didn't do it like the way Americans would do it where it's like every night I'm going to do this set five times a night and then the next I'm going to repeat I'm going to do this set I didn't do that just because I have 20 minute spots oh, sorry I have 15 minute spots anyway so it's not you know I don't have short spots and I, I just don't like that robotic whatever so I just I, I just did my usual sets you know I didn't try I didn't over rehearse it and then on the day walked um, it was actually it became so routine it was like go to 30 Rock you show up they they um they first they have a, a a driver drive you to the building you go up and then you sit in a green room then agents you've never met come in and then <laughs> people who represent you who you've never seen before come in and then uh and 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 you're, apparently you're the most awesome thing and then uh yeah I'm just sitting there I, I we went through, through the rehearsal uh so sorry the call time was probably around like four or five um and the Daily Show gave me the day off to do it which is cool um and then. Uh yeah, we just sat there. I I remember it being pretty chill. Um, uh, agent, and then my it, it was just me. I didn't have like an entourage. It was me and this other guy who I don't know, and then me, uh, and the agent, and uh, we were there for about and uh, two hours, which by showbiz standards is a very sh- uh, short wait. So you're not like in your own head hyping yourself up, and you go out there and you just you perform it. Um, and I gotta admit, the performance itself is a blur because there's so much adrenaline going on. And then you afterwards, me and my agent just went to like this Japanese curry place. Some, you know, it's like very routine. Yeah. Like, it was very routine. It was like nothing. We didn't make a big deal about it. And so I kind of like it that way, you know. And what but, about when you do Colbert's show? Because yeah. I mean, like you're talking yeah. about, I mean, Stephen Colbert, firstly, just yeah. like such a relentless yeah, intellectual yeah. and comedic force of yeah. nature, right? Yeah, yeah. But also exactly. like a previous Daily Show alumni. Yeah. So I assume like yeah, has yeah. some sort of, you know, affection for yeah. you know, what the show is now, and yeah, you know, yeah. you're you're walking into you know this is a guy who essentially you know was doing like you know you're doing bits on the Daily Show. Yeah, he create. Yeah, he's he's a co-creator of American satire. Right. Yeah. Kobe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and, what is that experience like? Yeah. When you so, go to do that. So I was cool. You know, I everyone at the Daily Show who worked with him is kind of actually still on the show. Right. So I asked them the EPs and all what's he like and you know. Uh, everyone said he's the nicest guy on the planet, and so uh, we. I I I took the interview segment very seriously. Like I planned for it the way I would plan a stand-up set because I know like you want to make good TV. I'm not good enough to wing it, so I yeah. just had some bits written out, and the producer approved them. And so um, I I put I put work into the interview so that it wouldn't suck, I, or at least I hope it didn't suck. And so I show up on the day, and then he I I meet him just before we go on, and he's super friendly. He's like. I'm gonna end you tonight. This is the end of it. <laughs> you've had a good you've had a good run for too long. This is it. And then I say, you know what? I'm super tired. I hope you end it because I'm so sick of doing this stuff. Please, end. yeah. I told Kobe to end my career, and then and then uh, we. But also, that's a great. What a that's the great, first thing he said. What a great comedic way of like you know helping people. Yeah. To me, that is like yeah. that's that's respect. 
Yeah. Like yeah, if yeah. he says that to you in that way, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. him saying, I have full confidence that yeah, you won't yeah. fuck it up tonight. That's why I felt like, as well, know. yeah. That's the first thing he said to me. He yeah. comes in to make our and goes, Ron, Ronnie, you, I'm ending it tonight. Your career's over. You've had a good run for too long. And then, uh, and, and so then we go on onto the stage and he's super welcoming. And what happened was that every, I had two stories that involved him personally, which right. was cool. So one was I had a list of, uh, there's this co- list of, of, of uh, like tips for correspondence that he came up with. He passed to uh, Rob Riggle, who passed it to Al Madrigal, who passed it to Jordan Klepper, who passed it to me. It's this email chain of, of tips. And so I, I, uh, I brought it on, on, sta- on set with him. I was like, hey, do you know about these, these tips? And he's like, I heard about this. I've never seen it though. And then I showed him and then he was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is right. We were joking about the list and then it got cut from a program, but it was cool that we had that, you know, that daily show thing. It's like the letter that presidents write to each other. You I know? mean, yeah. That, yeah, that's pretty cool. You can't get more personal than that. That right? is you know? amazing. Yeah. But and also to kind of follow that chain too. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second thing was, um, he, what happened was he, he broke his arm on during a, sh- a live taping of the Colbert Report, mm. and he and he he for months he had this bit about wearing this uh red color Colbert wrist strong, uh it's like the Lance Armstrong thing, yeah. but it's it, it was the Colbert <laughs> one. And he would give them out in the crowd, and he, the instructions were to give it to someone more famous than them, and it kept getting passed around. He said, "Hopefully, it'll get to the president or get back to me or something." And then uh I did a show in Boston the the night Trump got elected. I was doing a show in Boston and. Um, it, it, the show went well. I, I, yeah, I, I think. And then after the show, this this Asian guy gives me the wristband. He goes like, Colbert, I got this from Colbert. He said to give it to someone more famous. So I'm giving it to you, and I hope you can give it to Colbert one day. And this was like, you know, 2016, yeah. like way before I even was yeah. any chance of getting on this kind of stuff. And so I, I just kept it for two years in my memorabilia box. <laughs> That's why you gotta have a memorabilia <laughs> box, man. I just kept it in there, and then when I booked Colbert, I was like, "Oh crap! I can finally do this." And I like dug around, and I found I couldn't find it, and then I was asking my wife, "Like, where the hell is it?" And she was like, "I don't know what you mean. What was? Is this? Is this red thing? It looks like a rubber band?" And she's like, "Oh, I think it's in the rubber band. The you know, <laughs> it's in the rubber band box of rubber bands that we throw away regularly." And I was like, I, "We almost throw away the freaking Colbert wristband thing." And uh, anyway, so I, I, I took the wristband, I gave it to him on, on, on camera. Yeah, oh, like, brilliant. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that was fun. So once you have those two personal stories, it's like, yeah. you know, it's so specific and fun. And yeah, so that's what we played off of. So. Uh, and the movie, because we mentioned the movie please, and then please. we didn't get to yeah, yeah. talk about it. So Crazy Rich Asians was huge. Yeah, yeah. Like it was massive, right? I, I hope so, yeah. I think, I think so. it was. I yeah. think it was really Fair huge. Are yeah. they making another one? I think so. I think they're going to make... Uh, this is stuff that's on Google. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Google knows more about it than I do. I think they're going to try to do two and three back to back. I think mm. that's what I heard. But honestly, I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. If I was a gambling man, I would bet that they would make it because the first one made so much money and then there's like two other books. Right. Three books total. But I don't even think they're going to follow the books. But that's just my speculation, you know, because it's it's a interesting story to tell. The, the fact that they managed to tell the first it, it's written like um, there's so many different perspectives and so much going on that we filmed so many set pieces, expensive set pieces that barely made the movie just because it, it would become a four-hour movie. Right. Like, there was so much stuff to put in there. Yeah. Well, maybe they should just go, yeah, the second one's coming out. It's just the bits we cut out of the first one. <laughs> they could do that. <laughs> yeah. They could actually do a director's cut. I think they, 
Well, no, the, the it was a director's cut, so I don't know what there's there's this bonus scenes I hear on the mm. DVD which I haven't seen yet, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that they make the movie. Uh, but I would I would bet that they would make a second one or third one. What's what it is, I have no idea. But so so acting is obviously something that I mean you've acted in your own things, you now you're acting in other people's things. Yeah, yeah. Like acting, comedy, like yeah. what I mean. What is the next sort of you know twelve months you know yeah, for you? I'm hoping to I'm I'm trying to get a little bit more into acting. Um, I re- really like it. Love I I love the I love that it's it's uh, acting for me. It feels like you know I I always feel like good comedy should be a distraction from reality, mm-hmm. and acting in stories I feel is, is a distraction as opposed to like telling everyone what's wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> All the time, it's like giving some people like an escape from the whatever yeah. the problems are. So I, that's why I like it more than let's say like a a, a, a political talk show where we're discussing all the crap that's happening in the mm. world. You know, so yeah, it's escape like, from that rather yeah. than you know dwelling. <laughs> right, it, yeah. yeah, rather than you're already living this, and now I'm going to tell you why you're fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's Thanks something... for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's something weird about that. So I always like the the acting and storytelling, and I feel like that's. It's an easier form of comedy because it's um, uh, not that I'm going for easy laughs, but I'm just saying that I, I, f- I have more affinity with like, um, you know, co- comedic storytelling and, and sketch than I do with like a talk show panel, you know, that kind of environment. So uh. Also, you know, the idea of an easy laugh is underrated. I'll oh, take, right. I mean, the amount of times I've put hard work into something that has got no laugh, yeah. uh, where I would have very much settled for it. Right. That was a difficult no laugh. Yeah. I'll, take a, I'll take an easy laugh sure. every day. Sure, and like, um, uh, you know, like you, you spend whatever hours crafting a bit and then you come something off the top of your head that gets a way bigger reaction. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck, what, what did I do all that for? I, um, yeah. I, I'm thinking about, tell me if you think I'm uh, bananas. Please. But uh, so next year at the Comedy Festival, yeah. I'm thinking about, because I've, I've, I've do, so in, in Sydney, you're I've about doing a show. Let me- <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about doing a show. Um, well, weirdly enough, I'm thinking about for the first time ever, not writing a new show. But I Whoa! Will, but I will uh, explain to you why. So for a few years in Sydney, they started as sort of workshoppy shows, uh-huh. but they became, so I do these shows called What You Talking About, Will, which are my improvised stand-up shows, yeah, right? Yeah. So they're completely different every night. I, they originally were just like ways for me to come up with material, but yeah. they've developed into something else, which was I barely ever get any material out of them anymore, but to do them well, you, you just make them about that night. You know, right. what's in the air that night, talk to the crowd, talking what's your head, what you did that day, whatever. Yeah, like, you, you know, so crazy. and you make a show. <laughs> and I find them very exciting to do. Mm-hmm. And this year at the festival, the kind of the first 15, 20 minutes, some nights was just like audience stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was just a bit of me that was like, maybe I want to do a year where I just like, literally do an improvised show every night uh-huh. so maybe only 10 shows i don't think i could do a whole festival it just right. it's more exhausting than Dude, doing so crazy you know yeah. but that's what i'm thinking about doing i'm thinking about doing a completely yeah. improvised show well like, but you already night. do that as in it's you already know how to do that you've been doing it it's i know. know but taking it to the festival and like you know taking it to it like go this is my show yeah like yeah. this is what i'm doing this yeah, year yeah. is the show is yeah come along it could be like I don't think it would be shit. I think I've done it enough now that I yeah like would, it would be good. But, but more importantly, it feels like something that you you know in your pursuit of yeah. the next thing, 
it feels unnatural. That's the main reason. Yeah. I'm, I, basically, I'm, I keep bringing it up because I'm trying to justify it in some broad context rather than, you know, <laughs> you know when you've already made the decision of what you're doing <laughs> and then you try to like, yeah. essentially what I'm trying to do is put in all these like steps and yeah, people yeah. go, oh yeah, he's really thought this through. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I've already clearly decided <laughs> that that is what I'm doing. You're going to do that? Yeah. Yeah, because it is. It scares me a little still. Like it terrifies me, that idea. And I think that what I also want is mm. to... I think that when I'm on stage in that moment, yeah. I have no time to lie. Yeah, yeah. And you know how often, like, you know, our routines comes up. Yeah, yeah. become, you talk about authenticity. Yeah, yeah. And the gap between, yeah, in comedy often it becomes that moment of creation is authentic. Yeah. But the moment of recreation, yeah. when you then have to do it exactly. again, you lose a little of the authenticity because you're trying to recreate a moment rather than exactly. be in the moment in the first place. Yes. And so I think that I will learn more about my stand-up and what sort of stand-up I could be. <laughs> you by... try to learn about it yourself. Yes. That's crazy to me that you're already, you know. But no, I think it's a great, as in you're already so accomplished. I, I can't imagine why I learn it. But it sounds like you, it, it's, it's a great idea. And you know, your fans will buy any bullshit you put out there. So <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. That's what I wanted to hear. Thank <laughs> you to my it. fans who will buy any bullshit <laughs> that you. I put out you, there. The, the fact that you have so much nuance be, behind all your shows, you're like, well, you see, this podcast is about this. But then that podcast is actually about this. And this podcast started as that, but then it became its own thing. It's just different vibe. I'm just creating different rooms in my house. And I'm like, yo, how much shit are you selling that everyone is buying all this stuff and you're still trying to create different brands? It's well, amazing. I like to individually curate Yeah, you do. Things, and right it's now. great because that's... I have are. my little... As I like to joke about them... Yeah. I, I have my little projects. Yeah. <laughs> I just have my little projects. Dude, you don't, like you'll never it. say this and you don't need to agree with me because you're too <laughs> humble to say it. But you are probably the last Australian folk hero. You're the last one. You're going around... You're the last one, or at least you're the current one, because you're going around, you're making all this content, everyone listens to you, you're speaking relevant points, you're speaking to everybody, you know, you're the, it, it's, it's, it, it's, 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 I don't want to be insulting by comparing you to Chappelle because it impl implies that you even need that comparison, but you're on that level of speaking to society and you're putting out so much stuff every year that's relevant and funny and people can't watch you, you know, you are the last Australian folk hero, who else is there? Who, who else is there? You're I, it. You're Benjo Peterson, man. You're the guy, yeah. You're the guy man. That, who, who else is there? There's talented comics, no doubt. But there's no one going around, you know, and, and just being so authentic, raw and relatable and like, you know, the voice of the times. And yeah. Well, okay. I, I, clearly I can't, I can't agree or disagree. With any of that. I, I will leave that. I'll take that as a comment. As Tony Jones would say on Q&A. Um, Ronnie, thank you for squeezing this in. I should say to people that um, you, uh, you're on tour here in Australia and you're really flat out and you still manage to make the time no, to come and anything, do this. So anything I, uh, I genuinely appreciate that. No, of course. Anything for... I remember I was starting out and you, you helped a lot of comics, but you also helped me. Not that that is the reason why I'm doing... I'm just saying that, it, you know, I, I, re I really appreciate all the guidance when I was first starting out. In fact, when I when I was first moving to America, I remember you making the time in your uh, glorious Sydney mansion to, um, <laughs> in between lying around, that you... Don't, uh, don't tell people about all my <laughs> success. No, it's it's house. much harder to get them to contribute to the Patreon <laughs> for the podcast. If... It looks like that five podcast I just really paid <laughs> off. Uh, but uh, I, I, I say that but only it's a beautiful house. I don't mean to imply that, you know, you're, you're, whatever. But um, <laughs> it was very nice that you... Yeah, I remember asking, picking your brains about moving to America and you gave you know 
you always gave your time, not just in that instance, and you really promoted me and other comics, you know, when we were starting out in, in, in comedy. So, yeah, anything, Will, anytime. Thanks for having me on this podcast. Real honored. To so, what can people watch out for? Give some plugs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, man, just, uh, I don't even know. Daily Show. Uh, I guess I still do stand-up. Uh, I got some cool stuff coming up, um, movie and, and um, special-wise. So, that would be cool. You know? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So, so people that. watch out for those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Thanks right, so nice much. one. Well, thank you, my friend. It was a great pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you. Thank you.